Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Murmuring, complaining, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It can't happen. Cannot happen. If you find yourself in a conversation where that's happening, shut it down. Shut it down. Say, no, we're not going to. Is this helpful? If it's not helpful, then we're not going to talk about it. How much have you prayed about this? If the answer is why I haven't, not talking about it. Let's pray about it. Is it a legit thing? Is it, you know, it's all that stuff. Welcome to church. Welcome to Messy Church. Gossip hurts not just the person that's being gossiped about, but the person that's gossiping. In today's message, Pastor James shares how messy things can get when we gossip about leaders in the church. He says that it shouldn't happen under any circumstance, and that if there's a problem, it should be handled directly. Are you in a place where you've caught yourself talking bad about church leadership? Well, God wants you to stop and to resolve it by handling it in person and through communicating with them. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 15, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. says verse 4 when Moses heard what they were saying he fell down he fell face down on the ground this is a posture of prayer then he said to Korah and his followers tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy the Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence Korah by the way know your role know your role because what he's saying to Korah right there is like God didn't pick you to be the high priest. He picked you to do this other stuff. You need to know your role. And that's know like what God has called you to do and stay in that lane. Stay in that lane. Other people fulfilling their call for the Lord do not need you to step into their lane and correct them all the time. Okay? That's, that's frustrating to people who are trying to serve the Lord. When you have know-it-alls who are all around thinking like, Look, I'm going to fix your problem. I don't want you to fix my problem. I'll take any advice you have. Any advice you have. Korah's not offering any advice. He's just saying, we can do it better than you, Moses. So you need to step out of the way. You need to get out of the way and let us take over. Moses is like, we'll settle this tomorrow. He's like, we're setting this tomorrow. Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners, light fires in them tomorrow, and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites are the ones who've gone too far. You've stepped out of your lane. You've overstepped your boundary. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Then Moses spoke to, again to Korah. Now listen, you Levi, does it seem insignificant to you that God of Israel has chosen you from all, among all the community of Israel to be near to him so you can serve the Lord's tabernacle and stand before him or before the people to minister to them? He's like, was that not enough? Like God gave you a special gift and a special blessing. Why was that not good enough? Why, why have you followed your heart and your own desires? It's led you to this this path where what God has actually set you aside to do is not good enough. 
He's like, man, you get to do what other people in the community don't get to do. Do have you forgotten that? Do you miss out on you missed out on that? Like, that's amazing. You're a Levite. You get to serve at the temple. You get to stand before the people. Like, why is that not good enough? And when greed has consumed our hearts, when envy has consumed our hearts, nothing is ever going to be good enough. Nothing will be. It says, Korah, he has already given this special ministry to you and your fellow Levites. Are you now demanding the priesthood as well? The Lord is the one you and your followers are really revolting against. Moses was smart enough to understand that this isn't against me. This is against the Lord. Your issue is not with me. Your issue is, your issue is with God. Jesus would encourage his followers to be like, look, when they persecute you, it ain't you. It's me. It's me they're coming against. It's me they're coming against. He says, for who is, who is Aaron that you are complaining about him? He's like, why are you Aaron? Like, why are you guys coming after Aaron? Then Moses command, or summoned Dathan and Abraham and the sons of Eli, but they replied, we refuse to come before you. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, we ain't having it, Moses. We don't listen to you anymore. Listen to what they say. This is their logic, their reasoning. Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey? What? What? But the, where's the, where's the like little, little sub note, like also of slavery? Oh, it's not in there. Interesting how we forget. Oh, wait, you are accusing Moses of taking you out of the promised land. Egypt was never the promised land. It was never the promised land. He says, and their conclusion to that is to kill us here in this wilderness, that you now treat us like your subjects. Right? Like we're beneath you, Moses. You think you're better than us? Because you're Moses, you get to talk to God. At no point in time did Moses ever give the hint that he was better than anybody. He was a humble man. And that was what God said about him. Now, I know it's written in this book, the book that Moses wrote, <laughs> Numbers, right? But I don't think he wrote that part. I think that was probably, probably that was Joshua who came back after him and was like the most humble man who's ever lived. So you got these rebels and they're delusional, uh, and it's far easier for rebels to find a scapegoat than to own their own sins. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. I mean, they got the they got the plank. I mean, it's like the beam is coming out of their eye, and they are smashing people all around, trying to get to Moses and the speck that's in his. They, this is how it is with people who are like that. They just they don't even realize like their sinfulness and like, you need to repent. You just need to repent. No, no, you need to repent. Well, but that's probably true in some area of my life, but like, no, you're really out of line. You're really out of line. Moses and Aaron were called to lead. They were called to leave. And even the blessed position, the prominent position these guys had was just not enough. Just not enough. What's more, verse 14 you haven't brought us into another land flowing with milk and honey. Well, he tried, but you got, where were you guys two days ago when the spies came back with the report? Nobody was fighting for Joshua and Caleb. Nobody was. Nobody, except for like Moses and Aaron. None of these guys showed up. None of them. 
says, you haven't given us a new homeland with fields and vineyards. Are you trying to fool these men? We will not come. We're not even going to show up. They're sowing lies and they're causing division is what they're doing. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, do not accept their grain offerings. I love that. I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes. Moses is like, don't accept their sacrifices, God. <laughs> right? He's like, no, he's like, he's gone from like, he's going to turn back to praying for them. But I just love it. He says, I have not taken so much as a donkey from them. I've never hurt a single one of them. I've never done them any wrong is what he's saying. Moses said to Korah, you and all your followers must come here tomorrow. And present yourselves before the Lord. Aaron will also be here. You and each of your 250 followers must prepare incense burners and put incense on it so you can all present them before the Lord. Aaron will also bring his incense burner. It's like this weird kind of showdown, right, with incense burners, okay? 250 of you guys versus Aaron and his, his incense burner. So, verse 18, each of these men prepared an incense burner, assuming we got this. We are the ones selected by God. We're the ones. We will go into this war confidently because we know that we're the chosen ones of God. They lit the fire, placed incense on it. They all stood at the entrance of the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron. Now, what's interesting about them all standing there is they had enough sway to where they had like the whole community of Israel with them. Not necessarily on their side, but they showed up. So these guys were very influential. They were very, they were, and they were determined, like, we will, we're going to boot out Moses and Aaron, and we will take over. And we want the whole crowd to see. It's going to be a good lesson for everybody, a really good lesson for everybody. I'm glad the whole community was there, um, because they're about to witness something that has never happened before. Okay? So they stirred up, uh, it says, they stirred up the whole entire community against Moses and Aaron, and they all gathered at the tabernacle entrance. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community, right? And so this is where probably the sons of Korah and the other guys are probably like, yeah, see, right? See, he's with us. He just showed up. We got here. He showed up. That's how it works. This church has never been the same before. We got here. Now, look, we're here in the presence of the Lord's there. The presence of the Lord showing up doesn't always equate to a good thing. All right? Like, let's just be real, okay? Because we've already seen some stories like this where the presence of the Lord showed up and people died. Okay? So, but they're probably thinking like, oh, this is it. This is it. This is where we win. Says the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. God's like, I've had enough. I'm going to wipe them out. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. Oh, God. They pleaded, you are a God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? They're like, God, don't wipe out everybody. And here's this beautiful thing, and it's referenced in Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21, where it's the Lord vindicates his servants. The Lord fights for his servants. You don't have to fight your battles, guys. You don't have to fight these battles. Give them to the Lord. Man, nobody knows how to win these victories better than God, better than him. So just surrender them to the Lord. You got drama in your life with people, surrender it to the Lord. Right? Just be like, Lord, uh, look, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, Lord, and I'll own it. I'll own that. But if I'm not wrong in the story and they're the ones who are wrong in the story, Lord, only you're the only one who can get through to them. 
So I just give them over to you. I pray that you don't open up the ground to swallow them, but, you know, whatever it takes, Lord, is uh, whatever it takes. And the Lord said to Moses, then tell all the people to get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram, or Abiram, however you say his name. So Moses got up and rushed over to the tents of Dathan, Abiram, and followed, the, uh, followed by the elders of Israel. Quick, he told the people, get away from the tents of these wicked men and don't touch anything that belongs to them. If you do, you'll be destroyed for their sins. So all the people stood back from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the entrances of their tents together with their wives, children, and little ones. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? Because remember, they refused to show up. And then they're in this commotion, and they're like, well, let's step outside and let's see what's going on here. Now, remember, these guys are all camped together because that's how the Lord had set up all the camps. So they're all close to each other. Moses said, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things that I have done, for I have not done them on my own. If these men die a natural death, or if nothing unusual happens, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord does something entirely new and the ground, let's say, you know, the, the ground opens up, right? He's like, just like, he could have said anything and that probably would have been what happened, right? If you ever think about that, he's just like, I don't know, maybe, you know, the ground opens up, right? He's just kind of like spitballing, right? I think, unless God gave him like a little insight, but I don't know. He's like, yeah, you know, maybe the, you know, the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them all and all their belongings, and they go down alive into the grave, Sheol. Then you will know that these men have shown contempt, what, for, towards me? No, towards God, towards the Lord. Moses is like, all right, let's settle this. Nothing happens, I'm the bad guy. Something happens, they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. The Lord will show. The Lord vindicates. Verse 31, he had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath them. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the men along with their households and all their followers, their followers, that's the key, their followers, who were standing with them and everything they owned. So they went down alive into the ground along with all their belongings. The earth closed over them. It opened up and then it closed back over them. Crazy. And they all vanished from among the people of Israel. All the people around them fled when they heard their screams. Yeah, like they could hear them screaming from the ground. They're like, we got to get out of here. I'm too close. I'm like, I'm, I'm not that close, but I'm too close. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm going to run to the other side of the camp. Because I think God's serious. All the people fled when they heard their screams. The earth will swallow us up too. They cried. Then the fire blazed from the Lord and burned up the 250 men who were offering incense. So it's, the earth swallowed up the leaders of the rebellion. And then all their other participators got consumed with fire. Got consumed with fire. Talk about offering incense, right? <laughs> like they're there with their incense burners, and the guy's just like, <laughs> they themselves become the incense, right? Right? Incense of rebellion. God's like, yeah, you, you guys need to learn your lesson. The Lord says to Moses, Tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, to put all the incense burners, uh, pull them all from the fire, for they are holy. Also tell them to scatter the burning coals. Take the incense burners of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives and hammer the metal into a thin sheet. 
to overlay the, ar- the altar. Since these burners were used in the Lord's presence, they become holy. Let them serve as a warning to the people of Israel. Okay, so and then Eliezer has to go through, collect all the incense burners, hammer them down, cover the ark with it, because, well, they served in the presence of God, so the instrument was still holy. Okay? Verse 39. We're almost done. We're there. So Eliezer the priest collected 250 bronze incense burners that had been used by the men who died in the fire. The bronze was hammered into a thin sheet to overlay the altar. This would warn the Israelites that no unauthorized person, no one who was a descendant of Aaron, should enter the Lord's presence to burn incense. If anyone did, the same thing would happen to him that happened to Korah and his followers. So the Lord's instructions to Moses were carried out. So he's like, just do what I've asked you to do. That's it. That's it. And the last little bit here, as we are running out of time, the very next morning, verse 41, but the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began to mutter or complain against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. What? <laughs> like, what, what is going on? Like, what is happening with these people? The next day, they're like, Moses, we don't agree with how you handled that situation. He's like, how I handled it? That was God. How can I control the ground? Like, you, what do you, what the, who do you think I am? Like, you did, where'd that fire come from? Right? He's like Super Mario. He got like the fire flower, and he's just like, we're just shooting, burning up people. It's like, what is wrong with you people? The problem with it is that the fact that they're just, their hearts are full of complaints. It's who they are. It's who they are. They're muttering against him. And please know that the Lord takes, he's, he's a holy God, and we should take him seriously. And who he raises up is the one who he's raised up, and we shouldn't really complain against that. Like, I mean, and let me, let me address this. There is a place for suggestions, concerns, questions. There's always a place for that to come to your leaders. Always. There's not a place for complaining and murmuring. Okay, that's going to bust the whole thing up. That's going to that's going to cause problems. And here's here's why. Oftentimes the murmuring and the complaining, just like in this story, happens behind the leader's back. Behind the leader's back. If there's a real concern for like, hey, I don't understand why we do it this way. You go talk to a leader. You talk to a leader. Like, I don't know. Well, why do we do it like this? Well, talk to whoever's in charge of that. And they'll give you a really good explanation of why we feel like the Lord's called us to do it that way. We run this church how we run this church because we feel like God's called us to run the church like that. We're not trying to be any other church. We're not even trying to be like any other Calvary Chapel. We're different. We're going to be the church that God has called us to be to the people in this area that they need us to be. That's who we're going to be. We're going to honor that. That's just, that's who we are. That's who we are. So there's going to be things that we don't do, but you can ask why. You're more than welcome to ask why. There's going to be things that we do. And you're like, why? That's perfectly fine. We're not like untouchable, unapproachable. Right? Where's my security guy? So when I'm done preaching, I can just walk out that side door, surrounded by, you know, my own guards, my secret service guys, so that you commoners can't approach me at all. Right? Like, we're not that church. Come and talk to us. If you have questions, come and talk to us. We would love to chat with you and explain 
the heart behind the things we do. But the problem is when it's all the complaining and talking behind other closed doors about us. That's a problem. It's not healthy. And that's really just playing into the hand of the enemy who wants to get in here. The enemy's trying to get a foot in this thing to bust this thing up. Unfortunately, that's going to happen within the group. It's not going to be an outsider. It'll be somebody in the building. Murmuring, complaining. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It can't happen. Cannot happen. If you find yourself in a conversation where that's happening, shut it down. Shut it down. Say, no, we're not going to. Is this helpful? If it's not helpful, then we're not going to talk about it. How much have you prayed about this? If the answer is, why haven't? Not talking about it. Let's pray about it. Is it a legit thing? Is it, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. Welcome to church. Welcome to messy church. That's what we are. And that's what all churches are like. It's just, it's a sad reality, man. A lot of churches have split and broken up and all that stuff. It will not happen here. It will not happen here. So we will not be like the children of Israel. We're not going to be the next day like, uh, Moses, we don't like you. Aaron, we don't like you. <laughs> Why? You've killed the Lord's people. Let's read the rest of this. The entire community gathered to protest against Moses and Aaron. This is where I just admire this man's uh, patience. Uh, they turned toward the tabernacle and saw that the cloud had covered it and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared. That's like, uh-oh, right? I'm hoping that's the, oh no. <laughs> we remember yesterday when, that, when he showed up, okay? Yeah. Then Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle, and the Lord said to Moses, get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. Moses said to Aaron, quick, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar, lay incense on it, and carry it out among the people to purify them, to make them right with the Lord. The Lord's anger is blazing against them. The plague has already begun. People were dying. They were dying. Aaron did as Moses told him, and he ran out among the people, the same people who were complaining against him and about him. He was willing to go into the plague with incense to be somewhat of a source of salvation, if you can say that, for these people. Not that Aaron would save them, but his obedience is what spared all of them, minus 14,000. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died in that plague, in addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah. Then because the plague had stopped, Aaron, ret- Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tabernacle. Right? So it's like, these two guys, man, are, are, are fighting for these people that don't want them. They're praying for these people that don't want them. They're praying for these very ones who have, like, at times said, let's kill them. Remember when they were wanting to pick up stones and, and kill Joshua and Caleb? They probably wouldn't have mind taking out Moses and Aaron as well. But here was Moses and Aaron interceding on behalf, interceding on behalf, interceding on behalf. Like, Lord, these are your people. These are your people. Lord, you handle your people. You handle your people. Sin has its consequences. Murmuring and complaining always, always, always lead to death. Hopeless, hopeless, 
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.